But what we're going to talk about today is Lesson 6. Everybody have a study book. We're going to talk about the church's identity. Now, last, last time we spent two weeks talking about who you are now in Jesus. We want you to understand who we are as a church, that is, believers in Jesus Christ. So we're in chapter 2, uh, verse 11 through 22. And we may not get through this lesson today, so I'm just going to be upfront and honest with you. There's a lot here, but we're going to try our best to get through it. So I want you to notice with me verses 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus you have been brought, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, okay, let's talk about our past conditions as a people. And when we talk about a church here, I want you to understand we're talking about the people of God, not Kerwinsville Christian Church. All right? We're going to talk about, in this reference, the people of God. So when we talk about you and I as a people of God, let's look at what our past condition was before Jesus. So we're going to see that in verses 11 through 13. The first thing I want you to know is, is they were Gentiles by birth. That's what he means there. Look at it. He says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh... So the reality is, is he's going to point out to them a very key characteristic, and you and I need to understand that, is that we, by birth, unless you have Jewish descent here, and that may be possible, are Gentiles. Okay, the world's divided as far as the Bible is concerned into two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. Well, actually, there's another group the division, that's believers and unbelievers. But the reality is, is that Paul is pointing out to us here that we were by Gentiles by birth. So you understand, when he talks about our past condition, he's going to make mention the fact that you were Gentiles by birth. Now, why is that significant? Well, we're going to see, as it is delineated here in the passage, because we're Gentiles from birth by birth, we were excluded from certain promises and privileges. Do you understand what I'm saying? Basically, I'm just going to tell you like it is, you had no hope. Because you weren't part of God's chosen people. There was no hope for you. In fact, the rabbis of the day would say things like this, that Gentiles were basically the firewood of hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so what he's wanting you to understand is your condition as a people of God before Jesus. So, he says, you were Gentiles by birth. Now, here's what he says. They were called uncircumcision by the Jews. Uncircumcision by the Jews. Who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by hands. Now, that phrase, circumcision made by, by what is called the circumcision made by hands, that's referred to the Jewish nation there. Because you remember, part of the Abrahamic covenant the sign of them being a child of Abraham and being a part of that covenant is that they had to be what? Circumcised. And the physical difference 
between a Jew and a Gentile was the whole issue of circumcision. That was the whole issue of, there's a whole issue, was to separate them from the rest of the world. Now, here's what he's going to tell us here. Number one in verse 11, that they were not part of the covenant. They lacked the privileges that God had given Israel. They lacked the privileges that God had given Israel. So, I want you to understand, there were certain privileges that God had promised to Israel. So, first of all, he promised them several things through the covenants, that they would have, first of all, the land. Now, do you understand, you and I as Gentiles did not have any privilege. What was it? God promised him all that land. God promised him blessing. God promised him salvation. God promised him a special place because of the covenant. And that was to Israel. But that was not to us. When you look through the first five books, I'm going to be very honest with you, you are not going to see us mentioned in those privileges at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? We were at, we were not, we lacked those privileges. So here's the thing. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were excluded. You were a stranger. The Bible very clearly says, especially in the first five books, refers to you and I as aliens, as strangers. So you and I were excluded from citizenship in Israel. In fact, to this day, can I be honest with you, Israel today, let's say somebody here gets enlightened and they decide, you know what, I want to live in the Holy Land. I'm going to give up the land of America and go be a part of Israel. And, and I'm going to move to Israel. I'm going to become an Israeli citizen because I want to live in the Holy Land. Let me just go ahead and tell you, it ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. You may be able to move there you won't be allowed to be a citizen. Because even to this day, you have to be Jewish to become an Israeli citizen. And here, my friends, they check the DNA. They know what Jewish DNA looks like. Do you realize that? They check your DNA. They want to make sure you're a Jew. And even right now, I thought this was interesting. I listened to NPR there's a big discussion going on as to whether or not you're truly truly Jewish enough. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That's that's going on over there, you know. So here's here's my whole point. I want I want to say to you is you and I first of all when it comes to Israel we're excluded from citizenship. That's even true today. Okay, let's go on now. He says this is the big part. They had no hope. Unlike Israel, they had no hope for a deliverer. Listen, the Messiah and the prophecies of the Messiah have been there from the very beginning. The problem is, is that the promise of the Messiah was only to a certain group of people, folks. Who was that? The Jews. So the hope of a deliverer was only to Israel, wasn't to us. We had no hope of a deliverer. We can't claim Jesus as our own, like we were supposed to get Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, we know differently now on the back side of it. But on the front end of it, we had no hope. We had no claim to him. Okay? This is what he's trying to tell us here. We had no claim for the deliverer. 
And so finally he tells us, verse 13, and this is the point you and I have to grasp. We had no knowledge of the true God. Our knowledge of the true God was perverted through time, through whatever, through our own paganism. But what he's saying here is, is Israel had a true knowledge of God because Israel had the revealed word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We did not have that. We did not have a true understanding of who God is. That's the point he's trying to make here. So that's, that's really what our past condition was. So when you think about us as a people of God before, here's how you can sum it up if you want to write this in your margin. We were not the people of God. That before Jesus, you weren't a part of the people of God. You need to write that down. We were not a part of the people of God. Period. Because there was only one people of God. Who was that? Jews. And in order to become a part of the people of God, you basically had to convert to Judaism, which was a process. And let me explain something to you. You're going to see this. What makes us different today is, is when you go to the Old Testament, the Jews were very exclusive because evangelism did not exist among them. It wasn't like they were going around trying to make everybody into a Jew. Do you understand? They weren't trying to get you into the people of God. So what I want you to see is, is that we had no part in being, we were not, the people of God did. But now Jesus came along and things changed. So I want you to notice with me verse 13 and notice our present condition. But now in Christ Jesus you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So here's what I want you to see. You've been brought near. What does that mean? They were reconciled to God. You were afar off, were brought near. You know what the picture is? Is if you go all the way over to Genesis, I think it's chapter. Oh, it might be chapter 48, 47, 48, 49. I know it's not chapter 50, but the picture is. Do you remember when Joseph? Um. The reconciliation took place between Joseph and his brothers. And in the passage, he, he you know, after they leave and one of them is arrested and uh, I think it's Benjamin is arrested and, you know, the rest of the brothers are like, no, we can't do this, kill our dad, we'll take us, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Joseph weeps and cries and, and then he has all the Egyptians leave. And then he, and they're like afraid now because this is the big guy from, they don't know who he is. They, this is the big guy, second guy to Pharaoh. I mean, whoa, you know, who is this? What's going to happen to us? He says something very interesting that I think is very parallel to here. He tells them, come near to me. Now, you and I would miss that. But what he's telling them is, be reconciled. Come near to me. Well, specifically in his case, he probably showed him his circumcision. Because the Egyptians didn't circumcise. And they would see, yeah, because they recognized this is who? Joseph. 
And they're what? Running scared now. Like, oh, vengeance time, baby. And no, it's not, it's not, didn't happen. Thankfully, it didn't happen. But what I want you to see is, is the whole issue about you who are afar off are brought near. The issue is reconciliation. See, now, this is the interesting thing I want you to see. Who is it that reconciled us to God? Is it us? Did we do something to reconcile ourselves to God? No. God, in his initiative, through the obedience of Jesus, has reconciled us to God. Has reconciled us to God. So, I want you to see that. So, they were brought near, they were reconciled. And again, look at what the basis of the reconciliation is. We just talked about it. The basis of their reconciliation was the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. This is what Paul's saying. Now in Christ Jesus, who were afar off, had been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. That's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It is through his sacrifice that we've been brought near, that we've been reconciled. We are now a part of the family of God, the people of God. Do you understand? Before we had no part in it, couldn't do anything about it, and now because of Jesus, we, have, we are a part of it now. Isn't that an awesome thing? Okay. Isn't that an awesome thing? Now, let's go on now. He's going to explain to us then what God did because of that. When he reconciled the two, he, he made us into one. So we're going to talk about that. Notice with me verse 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we've both, we have both access to one spirit. Excuse me. Through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Okay, so let's notice something here. First of all, we're going to talk about the peace that is achieved through the cross. The peace that is achieved through the cross. Here's what we're going to see. Number one, here's what's going on. Jesus is the peace between Gentile believers and Jewish believers. You understand? How, how can I, what, what kind of illustration can I use today to help you understand what's going on here? I'm trying to think of, we really don't, I mean, not, not anymore. I guess there have been various times in our history as a nation where we've had people we couldn't stand. But I want you to think about, okay, let's, let's take Bosnia. Remember Bosnia out in the Balkans there? The, the conflict that's going on between the Serbians and the Muslims and the hatred and the anger and the animosity and the vengeance and stuff. Okay, We're talking about that kind of feeling that the Jewish Jews had towards Gentiles. I mean, it's a severe feeling. Now, how do you get two groups of people who are at odds with each other to come together and have peace. This is what Paul's saying. Jesus is the peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is the peace between the two. So then here's what he's saying. He's made both one. He has made both into one a Christ follower. He's not 
made them, you know, he's not made the Gentiles into Jews, he's not made the Jews into Gentiles, he's made them into something completely different now, a Christ follower. That's what he's trying to tell us here. Is that the issue is, is that you are a Christ follower, a follower of Christ. And that's really the issue, is being a follower of Christ. It's not so much a Christian, because Christian, even today, has so many weird connotations to it. Because so many people claim to be Christians that really are what? Not Christians. The issue is the follower of Jesus. Are you a follower of Christ? Now let's go on here. Here's what he's saying here. Through Jesus, there is no longer a social or spiritual barrier. The social barrier, remember, was what? The circumcision and how they lived their life. And, you know, the reality is that that's a social barrier. So through Jesus, he's broken down the social barrier. But he's also broken down what? The spiritual barrier that existed there, because we've been brought near and we've been reconciled. Now, here's what he did. He abolished the law. The law was the barrier because, because one kept it and the other ignored it. Paul's saying that he abolished the law because the law the Jews tried to keep, and then there's us, the Gentiles, we just flat out ignored it. That's the reality. So the law was abolished. Now, he goes on then, and it says, he created a new man out of the two. Out of the Jews and Gentile, again, he created a Christ follower, a new, new person. You're a Christ follower, something new. It's not that you're Jewish, and it's not that you're Gentile. It's that you are what? A Christ follower. All right? Now, then here's what he did. He reconciled them through the cross. So here's what he did. Jesus reconciled both to God through his death. He reconciled both to God through his death. So then there's a message of peace now. Because of the reconciliation, we have a message. And so look at verse 17. Jesus brought the message of peace to both groups. Jesus brought the message of peace to both groups. And here's what that message of peace is. Jesus gave access to both groups, to the Father, through the Spirit. All of us now, this is the message, have access to Jesus through who? The Spirit. Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit of God. Now here's the consequence, and we're going to spend the rest of our time here. Here's the consequence of what Jesus has done for us. So I want you to notice with me verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." Okay, so let's notice something. First thing he's going to say is, again, because of this reconciliation, because of what Jesus has done through the cross, here it is. You're no longer aliens. You're no longer aliens. Now, let me just stop for a minute. Don't show up. Don't get on a plane tomorrow and fly to Tel Aviv and say, I'm here, baby. Give me what I, what I deserve. They're going to throw you in jail. That's what you deserve there. Okay? This is not with reference to Israel today. This is with reference to the future. You are no longer aliens from the promises and privileges of God, period. You're no longer a stranger. 
they are now citizens of a new nation of saints. You are now a citizen of a new nation of saints. So you have dual citizenship. Can I say that? Now, oftentimes we talk about dual citizenship. I know because I have two kids who are dual citizens. You often talk in terms of what your primary citizenship is. And for us as Americans, we tend to think in terms of our primary citizenship is what? U.S. This is not what the Bible emphasizes. The Bible emphasizes that you are a sojourner, a pilgrim, just passing through. Your primary citizenship is where? Heaven. That's your primary citizenship. And here's what he's saying. Because of Jesus and the reconciliation that took place, you are what now? Now citizens of a new nation. You didn't need, the naturalization process in heaven took place on the cross. Let's go on. They are now members of God's family. So you are a member of God's household. And So what does that mean? Get used to each other. We're all family here. So get used to each other. You're going to see each other for eternity. And then finally, the foundation is the teaching of the apostles and what? Jesus. The foundation of our understanding of where we are is the teaching of the apostles and who? Jesus Christ. And then finally, we're God's temple. What does that mean, God's temple? Well, to the Jew, the temple was where the presence of God dwelt. So when Paul says to you and I that we are God's temple, what is he saying here? We are where the presence of what? God dwells. Where the presence of the Holy Spirit is. Now, does that mean the presence of God dwells in the building? No. No, that's not it at all. The building means nothing. It's the people. The church is the people. And so, as a church, as the people of God, we are God's temple. We are the place where he uh, dwells within. In fact, we are his dwelling place. We are his dwelling place. Listen, folks, I've had this happen several times now. Maybe somebody here even told me this themselves. But I've had several people who've come here over the last few years, especially here in the last year now, Tell me, when their first time visit, when they've come in here, they've walked into the place and they have just sensed something. Reassuring and calming. They've sensed what they describe. I, I take it as they've sensed the presence of God here. Now, we're not into feely stuff, do you understand? But, I think that's pretty significant. I think that's pretty significant. What are they sensing? Because they haven't heard anybody play music yet. They haven't heard anybody speak. What have they done? They have just intermingled with who? You. You are what? The dwelling place of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying here. Isn't that an awesome thought? Well, it's a humbling thought. Because I know churches I've walked in haven't felt nothing. You know? And so for people to say that, that really is saying something about what God is doing here. Okay? Now, next week, we're going to look at the mystery. So Paul's going to talk about a mystery next week. 
that was hidden from the Old Testament prophets that is revealed in the New. And so we're going to see what the mystery is. All right, let's, let's have a word of prayer.